Hello and welcome to the Southern New England Ministry Network podcast. On today's episode of the Missional Shift podcast, we're continuing our stories from pastors and leaders and ministers in our network who are considering missional shifts in their communities, in their places of service, places of ministry. And on today's episode, we get to hear from the Reverend Selwyn Bodley. Selwyn, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you. It is good to be with you. So Selwyn, you've been up close in a lot of these conversations regarding uh, church planting, multiplication, what does it mean to be on mission, and so many different avenues. So Selwyn, why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory in about five minutes. Tell us uh, how you got to this particular moment of ministry now, and kind of what were the events and the stories that brought you to this this moment right now? Absolutely. We uh, had been, i just gotten out of the military, and I was working a secular job in, in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and, and God just began to kind of just breathe this dissatisfaction with what we were doing. Um, and that just led to just some intense praying and, and some frustrating moments. And then God spoke pretty clearly and told us to, to pack our things and head to Bible college. It was something I didn't really want to do, um, but he made it clear. And so we just moved by faith and came up to, uh, to Rhode Island. Wow. And uh, my plan was to uh, to serve as a missionary mm-hmm. and uh, I'd grown up in church and and loved God and and uh, you know just didn't like some of his people and so I <laughs> I had no desire of being a pastor um, mm-hmm. and so that was just something I had uh, had I had told God and, and thought he had heard me on that and um, so we're at North, at Zion and uh, now North Point and um, but a year and a half into it, house we were staying in the lady was going to sell it so we had to mm. move out of the house there was no room for us on campus and so God just kind of began to close the doors on mm. on Zion um, I ended up getting offered a job as a youth pastor uh, in oh, Quincy wow and uh, my dad who was teaching at Zion at the time had mentioned it to me and my first response was nope I am not <laughs> a youth pastor and uh, and I felt like God said to something said something to me in that moment and and he basically said someone for a Surrendered life, you have way too much control. Whoa, and uh, and those words have kind of echoed through wow. through my years. And so I, I I yielded to that. Said, okay, I'll, I'll go check it out. Mm. Um, that led to us being youth pastors for five years in mm. Quincy, and and then we went and felt led to to go and join my parents um, in the South Pacific in a very remote island. Wow, like no electricity, no medical, just bamboo Holy huts. Moly. And uh, went by faith, and we saw God provide miraculously for us. We didn't raise a dime. Mm. Um, saw our son thrive. Wow. Um, and we were there. We were going to be there for the rest of our lives. Mm. And uh, and at the time, Pastor Greg Wheaton was serving as a senior pastor in Glad Tidings, the church that we had youth pastored in. And mm. he reached out to me and told me he just resigned, and he thought I was the next pastor. Wow. And I told him he was wrong. <laughs> and... Uh, and he asked me if I'd pray about it, so I started praying about it, just kind of check the box prayers, like, mm. I'm going to pray, but it's I'm not done. really considering this. <laughs> and uh, and I don't get or have spiritual dreams very often, mm. but God gave me a dream so crystal clear that he was calling us back. Wow. And uh, I remember saying to Lori, this is crazy. We just left there a year ago. Mm. I don't really want to do this. I know God's telling me, but they'd be crazy to hire me. Mm. I wouldn't hire me. <laughs> Um, I told him I was leaving for the rest of my life, and now I'm telling him God's changed his mind, and wow. this is not the guy you want to lead the church. Mm. And um, But out of obedience, I, I put my name in, uh, came back 
before we had a job offer or even an interview and uh, God opened the doors and so mm. we pastored there for 11 years. Um, church did well. Um, and uh, uh, those were some terrifying moments having never pastored mm. before. I remember crying out to God saying, God, I can't do this. And <laughs> and he basically told me I was right and wow. <laughs> uh, and then told me basically watch him do it. And so wow. we just kind of latched onto wow, his, wow. his hands and watched him, mm. watched him do it. So, um, after about 11 years, uh, we just felt God transition us into missions. Mm. And, uh, so we, we went through AGWM and, uh, went to language school in Costa Rica and, mm. and our son, Michael really began to struggle. Um, mm. and, uh, and just with his autism, he had been having seizures. Mm. Uh, we came back, got adjusted, um, then went directly to Peru, just saying, hey, we're going to go put our feet in the water. We're just going to mm. trust God. We've seen God do amazing things. Um, and God didn't show up the way we expected him to. We just mm. expected him to, to take care of Michael like we'd seen him do so many times. But we just watched Michael struggle and struggle, and we finally said, okay, this is clearly not what God is doing. Mm. Um, and that led us back to to southern New England. Mm. Um and also to this position, but, mm. um, but yes, yeah, so when we came back to this position, um, just kind of had different lenses on, mm. on and and time to to reflect mm. how ministry had been over the last several years, and 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 what our thoughts were with, with ministry going forward. Mm. Yeah. That's it's amazing because it means that you've approached this conversation with different experiences as a staff pastor, a lead pastor, a missionary. And so when we come to the conversation of mission, it's it's different. It's rounded in a different way. And so uh, tell me about uh, this shift that's happening in your life. You said you're coming back to the conversation with different lenses on. Um, what does that mean for what God's calling you to do right now? And how did you know that shift was happening? You know, um, I think having having a having time to step away from the machine, having time to step away from, um, like Lori likes to call it, the hamster wheel, where mm. you're so consumed on the day-to-day operation, keeping everything going, to step back and look at it and really ask the questions, what's really effective? Mm. Um, and and we did some great things in church, but I started looking at it through the eyes of a missionary and saying, hey, mm. if I was going to a new culture, uh, an unreached people group, where would I start? Mm. And then I thought, why am I not asking the same questions coming here? Wow. Instead of just conforming to our westernized Christian culture of doing things, mm. what would we do? What would I do if I was a missionary from another country coming here mm. with uh, yeah, no molds that I kind of had to conform to? Wow. And what I came up with really didn't look like our traditional proclamation style church. Mm. Um, it really looked like more of a, a micro church, fresh expression, mm. you know, home church, really focusing on understanding the culture more mm. um, and learning the language. I do feel like, you know, we all speak, <laughs> we all speak the same language here, really. I think we get stuck in that sometimes in our Christian circles, we get stuck. Mm. Um, so just looking at it with, with, with missionary lenses on and saying, okay, how would I do this? And it really came down to taking the time to build relationships, mm. to focus on my context and where God's placed us in our neighborhoods, mm. um, and 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 really not getting kind of stuck in in some of our uh, 
preconceived ideas of what success looks like mm-hmm. um, in a proclamation style church. And I'm not against that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not against our traditional church models. I just, when I start looking at the statistics and realizing that 50 to 60% of the people mm-hmm. will not come through our traditional church models through those doors mm-hmm. and realizing that God is calling us to reach them as well, mm-hmm. that there had to be um, an addition to what we're doing, mm. not a replacement, but an addition. Mm. And so um, while I love the local church, I feel like we have to shift into other avenues or paths to reach the people that we won't reach. Mm. Yeah, and that's amazing to see that there's this moment of clarity for you that came that caused you to revisit where you are, the place that you call home, but with a missional lens on and say, what does it mean to approach this as a missionary? And to think that through, um, so tell me about what, what kind of helped you get to that level of clarity? What helped you to come to that realization or that awareness that I need to approach my context missionally and think of it that way? Were there conversations, books? Was it uh, a weird moment or a situation that brought you to that, that kind of a th- moment? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think really what kind of hit home for me was I started asking myself what difference difference is there in the neighborhoods that we've lived in mm. since we moved in? Wow. And I started asking myself, man, if if I'm the only image of Christ that my neighbors are seeing, mm. what did they see in Jesus by the way that I lived? Wow. What did that what did my lifestyle say about Christ? Mm. And and so I, you know I we would live in Rockland and we'd drive home to Rockland and, and we'd know our neighbors and they liked us and we liked them. I just was so busy wow. in church. And so all of our ministry, for the most part, you know, going to the church, arranging outreaches, mm. doing programs, you know, seeing people, you know, find Christ was all good, but then I'd come home tired and exhausted. Mm. And, um, and really at the end of the day, there wasn't any difference made in my neighborhood. Mm. And so I asked myself, man, if 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 I was the image of Christ that they were seeing, what what would what would they know about Jesus? And I and I came up with this conclusion really that they would say, Yeah, Jesus is a nice guy. Mm. Um, you know, great to have in the neighborhood. He's really busy. Wow. Um, and doing and wow. hanging out with religious people mm. and nice person just doesn't have time wow. for us. And uh, and that just kind of stuck in my heart, and I just said, I'm I'm no longer okay with that. Mm. Not that I was okay with it then; I just didn't think of it that yeah. way. And so I thought, man, if the Holy Spirit truly lives in me, when I when when we move into a neighborhood, that light, mm. that you know, Jesus moves in. There should be a there should be a difference. And so that that thought has just caused me to try and be more intentional mm. about my interactions with my neighborhoods, like na- with my neighbors to make room for mm. the interruptions. Wow. Yeah. And let, let's dive into that for a minute. So, so to make room for interruptions means a different allocation of time, money, energy, resources. So talk to me about that. I mean, to, to be in a place where you have margin in your life, where you're not as busy. So you have moment, what does that mean? in the other areas of ministry or the other, you know what I mean? Like how did you create the space and the margin? What else had to be sacrificed to create room for this particular missional movement in your world to, to take root? 
you know, you know I'm, I have an advantage right now because I'm not currently pastoring a church. Mm. So in fairness, you know, I think because of that, um, it's been helpful for me to step out of that mm. and to, to reevaluate what is important and, and, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm. Um, I'm still in the process of learning it to be mm. perfectly transparent. I think even now I have, I get up, I like to plan things, you know, I have my day planned. I know the things I need to get done um, from whether it's studying or prepping an event or whatever it may be mm. um, to meetings. And then all of a sudden a neighbor will just stop by mm. and everything in me is saying and screaming, <laughs> I don't have time for this. How can mm. I speed this along so I can get on with my day? And really having to put that in check mm. and saying, hold on a second, you know, just make time for this. Mm. Uh, do what is in front of you right here. This It's more than likely a Holy Spirit interruption. And so I've tried to be present in those conversations and not wow. look distracted and not look like I'm just trying to move it along. Mm. Um, and and that's led us to deeper relationships with our neighbors. And so mm. it, it really is um, just a shifting in priorities in your mind. Yeah. And I think part of us too is is that we are we're just rushed. I think we're so used to being scheduled. I think we're so used to having things that even when we're not rushed, mm. like we we're feel it. rushed. <laughs> it's in our bones. Exactly. I mean, I think just living in New England, I know mm. we'd go back home to see Lori's family in Georgia, and I'm on vacation now, but I'm yeah. still in this mode of having to you know, go fast, and I get mm. to Virginia, and everything slows down, and I find myself tensing up, wow. thinking, I've got to go faster. And then I'm realizing... Why? You know, and I think we're just programmed this way. And so I don't know that there are always things that we have to cut out. I think it's just a mm. reprogramming or rewiring of our mind to say, no, this is as important as mm. that outreach meeting. And this is as important yeah. as that board That's meeting good. or that other meeting. And that just slow down. And so, um, yeah. you know, I just try and have enough margin in my life where I'm not overly programmed to say, no, just stop for a second, engage. And if God is bringing this conversation about, then I'll just trust him for the rest of my day yeah. as well. And I think you're already communicating something that has, right? It's, it's the, that communicates the sacrifice of speedy, measurable progress to say that we want everything to happen quickly. And so we feel that rush and we want to be measurable and say, okay, I've got this X number of things. But to say, to, to, set, to create margin, to say, I've got to create moments for nuanced conversation that may bring about spiritual moments. That's not speedy. That's hard to chart the progress. It's really hard to measure, but to save. And so it's a value. And so to see that there's different, different moments that it seems like God has shifted values and perspectives. Um, so as you're kind of navigating this, and, and uh, I know there's different pressures um, of having to figure out what does it mean to lead in this moment and all that kind of stuff. Have you sensed any pushback in, in whether it be in your own world, in your own uh, in conversations you're having, um, internal pushback even to say, hey, like I, I want to do this and I find myself stopping against this or I communicate this to somebody and they say, hey, that sounds like a waste. Tell me about those kind of moments. You know, what's been exciting about this in this role is that God just continues to lead 
me to people who are experiencing the same kinds of desires. And it's almost a dissatisfaction with the way ministry is currently going on in their church, mm. in their context, and, and just feeling like, man, this is not what I signed up for. Um, you know, there's so much more. This can't be it. Mm. And so as God has opened these doors to have these conversations, it's been exciting to 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 just share what I feel like God is doing in my life, mm. um, the conversations I'm having with other people. And and really what what seems to happen is is it's almost like the light comes on wow. in the eyes of a lot of them pastors and they the first response is, man, I, I'm not crazy for thinking this way, or maybe this isn't burnout talking. Maybe this mm. is something that God is leading me to. Mm. And in a sense, just seeing them get permission wow. to think differently. Um, I keep referring to the fact that I'm, I'm hardwired. I mean, I've grown up in church all of my life there's typically one way to do things, there's one way to do outreach, and and we have these um, definitions of what success looks like. And, and, and I think to, to answer the second part of your question really is, is I, I think the pushback I get often is from myself mm. without realizing it. Wow. Um, for instance, just we, we did an outreach barbecue at our neighborhood, and and we had a barbecue truck in and, and um, set up the street and did it really, really nicely. And we had seven of our neighbors come over mm-hmm. and just hang out and just sit and talk. And in my heart, I'm thinking, we've got to have more people here. Wow. And I suddenly felt like the check of the Holy Spirit kind of mm. just say to me, well, why do you need more people? And I'm thinking, well, because a successful outreach has lots of people. <laughs> and I just feel like God said, well, how deep and can you really go if you had 50 people here? How far wow. could you really go? And what? how deep can you go with these seven people? Mm. And it was in that moment that I thought, man, as, as passionate as I am for this, I I can't help but kind of veer back towards the, the areas of my life that I'm hardwired. And so I really think it takes a, a rewiring, mm-hmm. so to speak, of what we of what we deem successful mm-hmm. looks like. Yeah, and that, that's hard work. And it's it's found out in these kind of a moments, right? Where you're you're faced with what you're trying to do face to face and realize like, hey, I yeah, I'm still feeling that pressure somewhere, or I still feel that expectation in my own head and the community around me. So it's it's a difficult moments. So when talk to me on a on a just a spiritual level, how is this journey to this particular moment, to being missional in this particular expression? Um, how has it affected your spiritual life? I mean, how is how is God walking with you in this part of your journey right now? You know, it, it's been. I think God has taken like a jackhammer to, <laughs> to my to my spiritual parking lot, if you will. Mm. Um, not only in this area, but in many ways, um, we've had a challenging three years with our son struggling. We've seen God do amazing mm. miracles, um, and then we've seen God not show up mm. the way we expect Him to. Mm. Um, and then come up with a file for that mm. in your mind of somehow wow. how this makes sense. Wow. Um, and then, and I think it's just been a, this complete work that God is doing mm. in our lives um, in multiple areas and kind of tearing up some of the, the spiritual um, paths that we've walked on for so long. Mm. 
um, and and have begun to I don't, almost make him predictable in how he's going to move. Like you know, mm. one plus one equals two, and you know this is what faith does, and this mm. is how how you move in this. And so, I really feel like there's been a tearing down and a stretching and a building up, mm. and just help me realize as un- unintentional as it may have been, mm. I've boxed him in wow. to moving a certain way and looking a certain way. And uh, I think really it's been a realization that I've done that and him mm. kind of tearing the walls off of that mm. and saying, man, I'm so much bigger than this. Um, I think just really looking at Jesus's incarnational approach um has really again been another big part of just saying, man, why am I doing what I'm mm. doing? And um, and really looking at Jesus' lifestyle, how he approached and what he did, and and who he sat with, mm. and um, and really thinking about how uncomfortable we or I would feel if I was doing the exact same thing. Wow. And um, so, yeah, and those those are big things, man. <laughs> like when you think about it, like my expectation of how the kingdom works and where the kingdom shows up. I mean, those are big questions that we've got to think about and wrestle with. So uh, how have you managed that, man? What, what has been helpful? Um, just Has it been helpful to read certain things, dialogue with certain people? I mean, what, what has kind of been the helpful thing to help you process these conversations? Because they're not small, man. There, there's some serious implications to these conversations. Uh, yeah, I think... It's been good conversations with people that that um, God has just led me to. Mm. Um, uh, just reading a few books, just uh, again, just small books, even fresh expressions, mm. um, books from Michael Frost. Um, mm. uh, really enjoying his writings right now, and just mm. challenged my way, my traditional way of thinking. Mm. Um, and so. Yeah, it's it, it's it's been just a lot of conversations um, with people that I had never met, never met before. Wow. Um, and and then again, I feel like you're meeting people along the journey who are feeling the same thing and getting mm-hmm. to hear their hearts and their stories. Um, and something I'm still working out, mm-hmm. you know, still mm-hmm. working and walking out. Yeah, it's got to be really freeing to kind of meet somebody walking in the same path as you in this particular moment and say like, wow, like. Yeah, this is good to see. And then as the as it hits the pavement and begins to make traction into the real world, okay, so this worked out for me, this idea of being missional in my community, this one bombed. And so to have someone in real time to be able to communicate that with, um, sounds like it'd be a blessing. And it's kind of what we're trying to do here on this podcast series is to kind of share some stories of folks who are navigating what does it mean to do a missional shift in their ministry world work and whatnot. Um, and the stories have been amazing. So what would be your advice to someone who's questioning ministry questioning their missional effectiveness right now in this moment and even if you want to talk about the covid angle to it like what if what do you say to that pastor who is getting ready for church on sunday and they're tired <laughs> and they're saying I've, i'm i don't know if i've got what it takes to go one more round to do this thing again um, what would be your words to them right now you know ministry is just bigger than us mm-hmm. um I know when I first started pastoring, there's this desire to think or move within your skill set and move within your strength. And and really, if I've learned anything over the last 20 years is that I really don't bring a whole lot to the table. <laughs> um, it's not wow. going to be my skill set or my mm. ability or my wisdom. It's, mm. it's, it's really going to be me recognizing how weak I really am and how wow. strong he really is. That's good. 
And I think trying to manage um, the church as if it's our church mm. rather than really recognizing, man, this is yours. Mm. And so I think it really boils down to surrender and sometimes throwing your hands up and not giving up, mm. but in a sense, giving up in your own strength and saying, God, wow. you know, I can't do this. I can't. And, mm. and maybe I've been trying too long in my own strength. Mm. Um, I would say too is, is really shift your focus from what's around you. Um, I think we've celebrated the wrong things for a long time. Wow. And because of that, that's put pressure on pastors and ministers that are coming not from God, mm. but coming from you know what they what they view mm. successes and and really what we've celebrated success. Wow! Um, I think if I've seen anything, I really realize that man. The definition of success boils down one one word in my in my book, and that's obedience. Mm. And and obedience can lead you to big churches, and obedience can lead you to small churches mm. that never grow. And the question really is: Are are you being obedient to God? Wow! Um, I would encourage them just dare to dream. Mm. Um, and if your dreams don't line up with that cookie cutter model of way ministry has looked for a long time, mm. doesn't mean it's not from God. Wow! And that um, what I'm excited about what, what we're doing here in the network is um, there's a place for that. Mm. Um, we're looking at these different paths. There's not just a place for it. It's a desperate need. We're wow. excited to have these conversations with people who are thinking completely different, maybe saying, man, is this really God or is this me trying to turn my hobby into a ministry or is this me <laughs> just getting lazy with this or is this me just, mm -hmm. oh, this is what burnout looks like. Mm. So I would just say, you know, um, and, and I would honestly say, reach out to the network mm. and take a break. Wow. And because I think it's incredibly healthy to take time just to pause mm. and and do a self-examination as to why am I doing this, mm. maybe personally, or why are we doing this as a church? Mm. And let the Holy Spirit really just speak to you. And that kind of brings it back full circle, right? The conversation that we started with of you sharing your story when the clarity came um, from stepping away from the sheen for a moment getting that clarity and that perspective and to say that's what we want to offer to everyone now and say, hey, we're here for that moment. But yeah, and to recognize in community, there seems to be some clarity that can be had if we just open ourselves up to begin sharing what God may be up to. And we may find that there may be someone else who can help us navigate the, the or be, be God's voice for us in that moment, you know, who may be a messenger from God to help give us the clarity and sort of open up, up uh, begin sharing and having those conversations. Absolutely. Just don't do this alone. Mm. There are too many people that God has surrounded us by, and a lot of times when we get low, we, you know, discouraged, we feel like we're the only ones going wow. through it. Um, and the reality is, probably the majority of people are going through mm. it. And if we can just link arms and, and dare to be brave enough, courageous enough to share our hearts, mm. be transparent, um, it makes a huge difference. Mm. So, and thank you so much for sharing your story, for um, helping us see what God's doing in and through you so that hopefully it might spark in us a change, a transformation that we could uh, potentially hear God doing the same thing. So, Selwyn, thank you. We look forward to some further conversations. If you're uh, interested at all in anything regarding fresh expressions, multiplication, make sure you reach out to Selwyn at selwyn at snemin.com. That's selwyn at snemin.com. Thank you, Selwyn. Thank you.